Well, my sermon is entitled From Here to Eternity. And I wonder, you know, we were here last night till a little after midnight. Where were you? And some of us are here this morning. Uh, me, personally, I'm sleeping. <laughs> so my, I painted my eyes open. So it's a, this is a fig newton of your imagination. But while you were sleeping, whatever time you finally got to, get, got to go to bed, you were amazingly at an, on a journey. Did you know that you journeyed last night while you were sleeping? You just thought you went to bed and that was the extent of it. Well, a writer called Christopher Flannery, who hosts a blog called The American Story, wrote an article published in Imprimus, which is really a wonderful uh, publication out of Hillsdale College. And this is what he wrote. Each morning we wake after disappearing in sleep for a split second of eternity. Surprised again to find ourselves still here. We reflect that we have once again successfully spun around Earth's axis. If we're at a northern latitude somewhere between Santa Fe and Cheyenne, we have traveled 20,000 miles since yesterday. Just spinning from day to night and back to day, looking back over the past 365 days while you were sleeping or whether you weren't, we have spun over 7 million miles in our orbiting. We have sailed an unthinkable 560 miles through space. This is what happens when you sleep. As you sleep, time and travel pass without your notice. The Bible speaks of things happening in heaven and eternity as occurring in a twinkling of an eye. Less than a second here on earth would be spent in heaven as if it were a thousand years. No concept of it. We're finite. We don't understand the infinite. But the Bible says for sure, one day we will know even as God knows us right now. How exciting is that? How exciting will it be to have all the mysteries that have not been revealed here on earth, revealed in heaven? You're going to know all the mysteries of creation and time and eternity. I'd like to explore what heaven and eternity will be like, and I'd like to organize it around four questions. Question number one, is there a heaven? Let's take a poll. How many of you Believe there's a heaven. Would you raise your hand? Well, you're not alone. Over 80% here in 2022, over 80% of Americans believe there's a heaven. It's kind of a scary thought. We're not living like it, but that's how we seem to be thinking. Well, the answer, of course, is yes. Nobody can prove there is a heaven. Can't prove that there is a heaven. Can't prove there's not a heaven. But as Bible-believing Christians... The Bible makes it clear that there is a heaven. In fact, it goes one step further. If you've been with us in the study of the book of Genesis, you know by now there are three heavens. Heaven number one. Well, let's listen to what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12 too. He said, I knew a man in Christ, a believer, 14 years ago. He's talking about himself. Such a one caught up into the third heaven. So there are three heavens according to Paul. Here's what the Bible teaches. Heaven number one is the space between earth 
and the clouds. The Bible talks about that's heaven number one. Heaven number two is the space between Earth's atmosphere and the solar system. Heaven number three is where God dwells. You pray it when we pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. Question number two, who will be in heaven? These are some of the common questions I get asked, and I know that most pastors get these kinds of questions. Who will be in heaven? Well, there's four categories of entities. God will be there, angels will be there, and born-again believers will be there. 2 Corinthians 5.1, For we know that if our earthly house, this body, of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. We're going to be in heaven with God. C.S. Lewis wrote of his, quote, inconsolable longing for news from a country we have not visited. We've never visited. But there's something that draws the believer. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you believe in the promises and precepts and truths of this book, there's something within you that longs for that place. Something within us that's looking forward to that place. We're anticipating heaven. What a way to live. I think of those people who have no faith in Jesus, who have rejected Jesus. And what have they got to look forward to? An empty grave, a tomb. Their body will be there. Where will their soul be? The Bible says there's only two places, heaven and hell. Question number three, what happens after a believer dies? That's a question I get asked a lot. And here's the answer. 2 Corinthians 5, 6, and 8 tell us that the soul, spirit leaves the body when you die. Verse 6 says, while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. As long as our soul's in here, we are not with the Lord. And then it goes on in verse 8 to say, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when you die, your soul, your spirit leaves you, and it goes to be with the Lord in heaven. In the twinkling of an eye. But how do we get there? Do we go there by ourselves? Well, here's what happens. Luke 16, 22. The beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. That's just one text that tells us that as our soul leaves this body, whether it's in a hospital bed, whether it's in the hospital, whether it's at home, any way that the believer dies, angels come and surround that soul and they carry us through heaven. So picture this now. Here, suppose it's a hospital. You, your life ends. Your soul begins to leave your body. It comes up to the ceiling, goes through the ceiling. However many floors in that hospital or that room you're in, you go through that. The angels are with you. You begin to leave this atmosphere. You're looking around. This got to take place pretty quick. You go out into where the stars are and the heavens are. And then suddenly you break through into the third heaven. And there you are. And if you're looking down, you see a pair of feet. And you see holding those feet. And if you start to look up, you see a man. And then you see his hands with holes in his hand. And then you look up upon that face. 
and we see Jesus. Places where the thorns were pierced his, his brow. There's only one person that's going to carry the scars of life from this place to heaven and wear them forever. That is Jesus Christ. If you've had an operation, I had a rib removed from my side. There were no women involved. <laughs> I didn't hear of any new eaves or anything. <laughs> but I had a rib removed. When I get to heaven, the scar that I've got here will not be there. But the scar that Jesus had and the scars that Jesus had will still be there. And they'll be there for one reason. Because every time you see him, he'll be, he'll be sharing love with you. And you'll see the price of that love. In heaven, there's a home reserved for you. John 14, 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. You've got a forwarding address. Where do you go when you die? As a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going home to heaven. There's something about that word home that stirs the human heart. And that's why God used it. And that's why he's telling us he's prepared a home, a magnificent home. And it's there for you. So when you go, you're not going to be homeless. And when, when you go, you're not going to be without shelter, one of the basic human needs. He's going to meet your human needs in heaven in a way you could hardly ever imagine. And then the Bible goes on to tell us that you will have in heaven an upgraded body. An upgraded body. 1 Corinthians 15, 40. Mm -hmm. There is also celestial, heavenly bodies, and bodies, and bodies terrestrial, that's earthly. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. You're going to have a glorified body, a new body. So if you've got one that's creaking, or you've got one that's uh, clicking, or you've or you got one that every time you hit the floor in the morning, you say, what's going to happen today? If you've got one of those, the Bible says you ain't going to have that one no more. You're going to have a new body. What's it going to be like? Well, this body is going to be like nothing you've ever imagined. It's going to be like Jesus' body. And Jesus' body, before he rose from the dead, he was able to go through a wall. He was able to, he was able to defy gravity. Your body will be able to defy gravity. You'll be able to fly. Your body will be able to go through a wall. When Jesus' disciples were locked up after his crucifixion, and when he rose from the dead, the, the, the windows were barred and, and locked. The doors were barred and locked. They weren't getting out. Nobody was getting in. But as they prayed, the Bible says that, they, that Jesus began to come right through the wall. He was able to change his molecular structure. Your body will be able to do the same thing. You'll be able to change your molecular structure at a whim. You'll be able to shift shapes. You'll be able to fly. You'll be able to go anywhere. And there'll be places to go. You'll be forever young. Now, I know it says something else up there, but forever young. How does that feel? Some people speculate that we'll be at the prime of life, which is 33 years. And they speculate that because Jesus died when he was 33. But you're going to be youthful. You're going to be young. You're going to be filled with energy. How does that feel? 
Well, how many of you are filled with energy now? Let me see your hands. <laughs> Attaboy. See, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I would like to tell you too that when we were your age, <laughs> we could have raised our hands too. <laughs> Full of energy. Spiritually, you'll be whole and healthy. Emotionally, whole and healthy. Physically, uh, whole and healthy. No more pain, no more distress, no anxiety, no disease, no pandemics, no cancer. Imagine. The story is told of two Christians who lived very healthy lives. When they died, they went to heaven. As they walked along, marveling at the paradise around them, one of the guys turned to the other guy and said, Wow, I never imagined heaven was as good as this. Yeah, agreed the other guy. And just think, if we hadn't eaten all of that oat brand, brand, we could have been here 10 years sooner. <laughs> question number four. What will we be doing in eternity? Now, that's a big question for a lot of people. Isaac Asimov, who was a science, science fiction writer, says this. I don't believe in an afterlife, so I don't have to spend my whole life fearing hell or fearing heaven, even more. For whatever the tortures of hell, I think the boredom of heaven would be even worse. And let me tell you, I've been asked by Christians, will we be bored in heaven? Is it going to be boring in heaven? Well, let me share a few things, and the answer I'll give you right up front, no. No way, Jose, it ain't going to happen. You will know family and friends and enjoy wonderful fellowship with them. All of those who have gone before, think of all the people just from our congregation who have gone home to be with the Lord over the last couple of years. You know where they are now. And we're going to get there to be with them. Hebrews 12, 23. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just man made perfect. Do you like a really good meal? And how far would you travel for a really good meal? I go to Brooklyn and back. How far would you travel for a really good meal and stimulating conversation around a, a dinner table? Lots of laughter, warm, cordial feelings. What does that feel like? Is that boring? Or is it a great meal? I mean, coming from New York with people who were people who did things that were on a higher level in, in business, Anytime they found a restaurant that was really good, this is the best restaurant in Manhattan. You want, a, you want Italian? This is the place to go for Italian. You know, that kind of stuff. That people brag about restaurants when they find it to be really good, and they want you to come. Unfortunately, you can't afford it, but, <laughs> but people want you to come to those great restaurants. And when you have an opportunity to, to, to sit down at a dinner table with family and friends and folks you love and have great conversations about a variety of things, is that boring? That's wonderful. That's exciting. Some of those occasions you wish would never end. But unfortunately, in this finite life, they will end. When you get to heaven and you're having one of those meals, it'll never end. Revelation 22, verse 3 says, we will be in service to the Lord. Now, what does that service live like? That service could be in heaven. It could be here on earth. 
or some other place in the universe where your unique gifts and talents that, that you received on earth can be used in God's service to help those in need. So you're going to be able to go anywhere. Remember, again, that you're going to be able to fly. You're going to be able to pass through solid objects because there is no such thing as a solid object anyway. But if you have an adventurous heart, this particular promise in heaven will not be boring to you because you're going to want to go in service to wherever the Lord would have you. Matthew 19, 28, some of us will be assigned by Jesus to positions of authority on earth and we will stand with him to judge those. These assignments are for those who see injustice and corruption and want to stop it, but you can't do anything about it in this life. And yet you get to that point where you get you, it's a righteous indignation you feel because you say, how could these things be allowed to happen? Why doesn't somebody do something about this? Well, you, we may not see that happen on earth, but the promise of God is that if you have that kind of passion in you, the chances are that he's going to assign you to be someone who will stand in justice. This is a gift for people who have wisdom, justice, and righteousness. Doing what is right is never boring. It's absolutely necessary. There will be worship in heaven, and there will be music. If you love to sing, if you love to hear choirs singing, the book of Revelation contains more songs than any other in the Bible except for psalms. Fourteen songs, all sung by groups appearing in heaven. Did you find that, those of you who were here for the Browders, did you find them boring? There is nothing boring when you're looking in the face of Jesus and you're singing praises to him. I remember being on East 21st Street at the Salvation Army Auditorium for the Billy Graham Crusade many years ago when I was younger. Well, that's a ridiculous thing to say, isn't it? Obviously, years ago, I was younger. I was at the Salvation Army Auditorium, which is a huge auditorium, and it was for rehearsals for the Billy Graham Crusade in New York. And I think I recall there were 2,000 people there. I could be wrong about that. But there were thousands of people there, basses, tenors, sopranos, altos, and just to be part of it. So many times I had to shut my mouth while I was supposed to be singing because I just wanted to hear everybody singing. It was so glorious. I can't imagine how glorious it's going to be. And the, the extra big dividend is I'm going to be looking at Jesus' face while we're singing. Is that boring? Revelation 21 and chapter 22 described eternity as a place of spectacular beauty. What's beautiful to you? Color, lights, the warmth of eternal peace and rest. We will be one with God, one with his revitalized creation, one with all people, and one with all living things. Air will be pure, Water will be crystal clear, and not only clean, but water and fruit from the trees will be medicinal. All living things will contribute to a wonderful eternity. I like what C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity. Quote, 
Creatures are not born with desire unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there's such a thing as water. I find my, if I find myself a desire with no experience in this world, can, which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to be satisfied, but only to be aroused, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care, on the one hand, never to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings, and on the other, never to mistake them for the something else of which only a, they are only a kind of copy, echo, or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which not, I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that other country and help others to do the same your prime directive and my prime directive is to share with those who do not know Jesus the promises of health, promises of heaven, and the fearsome concerns of hell. The distance from here to eternity is just one heartbeat and one breath away. And the question that really begs to be answered, where will you spend your forever? question you can ask your friends. Where will you spend your forever? What a wonderful opportunity to share Jesus at this time of the year. People are focused on him. They're focused on the new year. They're making vows and promises to themselves. How about we make a promise to ourselves? And any time given an opportunity to share Jesus, not push it down people's throats, but to invite them to church or to share with them the truth of the gospel, that we will take that opportunity. Let's pray. Father, in the moments that we stand here before eternity, standing on the cliff, on the precipice, we are reminded of our mortality. We are reminded, though, that there is life eternal for all of those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the promises of eternity. They sound wonderful, but we have no way until we get there of realizing just how wonderful they really are. But help us to get a handle on it and a glimpse of it. And thank you for the privilege we have to explore your book to know more about heaven. Pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.